Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, last time on the podcast, we followed Finn and April as they had their first lesson at Currawong High. So now we're going to cross and see how Joe is going. Here we go. Chapter 7, Joe and the Bowls. Maths had not gone well for Joe. His teacher had been kind enough, but she was one of those young, enthusiastic teachers who still believed in teaching students. So, before the lesson began, she asked Joe several questions to work out how much he knew about maths. Joe was not a great maths scholar, but even when he knew the correct answer to a question, he had the blanket policy of saying, I don't know. He found that failing was much less humiliating than trying and failing, and if you said the words often enough, teachers got tired of you and didn't bother asking any more. Unfortunately, Miss Willard had a lot of stamina. She didn't give up after three or four questions. She seemed genuinely concerned about Joe's degree of ignorance. She asked no less than 23 targeted questions, attempting to gauge Joe's amount of knowledge in all the different areas of mathematics. But whether it was algebra, geometry, measuring, long division, or even the simple times tables, Joe always answered, I don't know. What made it worse, every time he said those words, he heard girls giggling and snickering right behind him. Eventually, it occurred to Miss Willard that Joe may have a learning difficulty, and it was cruel of her to keep up the questioning. So she stopped and was just kind, speaking slowly if he looked more confused than normal. For Joe, the kindness made it worse. He knew he was being a coward and letting his nice new teacher down. He wasn't sure which he hated more, maths or himself. He just knew he felt terrible. Like he'd swallowed a brick, he felt sick and heavy. On the bright side, everyone in his class now thought Joe was a total moron, so at least he wouldn't have to make small talk at recess. Everyone would avoid him in case dim-wittedness was contagious. When the bell rang, Joe scraped his stuff into his bag and followed the others down to the oval. No one talked to him along the way. He stared at his shoes so he wouldn't accidentally make eye contact with anyone and see the look of pity in their eyes. When they arrived at the oval for P.E., Mr. Popov took the role. Nikols Palma Pesky. His head snapped up. He soon spotted Joe. He was the only one in a tie and collared shirt. Everyone else was wearing their sport uniform. Joe Pesky? asked Mr. Popov. Yes, said Joe warily. Mr. Popov glared hard at Joe. I just had a lesson with your little brother and sister. Sorry, said Joe. No one knew more than him how annoying his siblings could be. I'll not put up with any funny business, snapped Mr. Popov. Yes, sir, said Joe. Are you being sarcastic, demanded Mr. Popov. He had taught in public schools for 14 years, and no one had ever called him sir before. No, said Joe, just polite. Well, cut it out, warned Mr. Popov. 
I thought we weren't in your class today, said Roger, a tall athletic boy. We're with the bowls coach on Tuesdays. I know that, snapped Mr Popov. I read the schedule. He turned on Joe again. Now I'm aware that you and your family have no respect for our traditions here at Currawong High School. But it is an honour for us to have a great bowls master like Coach Vost coaching our team. I will not tolerate you showing any disrespect. Joe was confused how his attempt at respect had been interpreted as disrespect. April and Finn must have been extremely annoying in their earlier lesson. He was about to say, yes, sir, but he was frightened how Mr Popov would take it, so he just nodded instead. All right, said Mr Popov, relenting slightly. Give me your shoes. Joe was alarmed. He did not like to take his shoes off. He had seriously large feet, and he knew people were often startled and stared when they saw them. He glanced across at the girls who had been laughing at him in maths. He couldn't remember when he last cut his toenails. It can't have been any time recently. The problem with never taking your shoes off, it means that your feet never get a tan. Plus, the lack of ventilation between your toes can cause fungus to grow. And fungus smells. So the last thing Joe wanted to do, when his classmates already thought he was a nitwit, was take out his giant, pale, stinky feet. Why? asked Joe. He couldn't imagine Mr Popov's motivation. From the context of the conversation, it was as if Mr Popov wanted to keep them as a deposit to ensure Joe's politeness. Because they're regular shoes, said Mr Popov. The school gardener, he works tirelessly to ensure the quality surface on our lawn bowls greens. You can't just wander about on them in your street shoes. Come on, hand them over. Coach Voss is waiting. Everyone in the class was watching Joe now to see what he would do. Joe considered running away, but it would be hard to break through the 30 students standing around him. Plus, if you're going to run away from a teacher, it's probably best not to choose your PE teacher. They can most likely run faster than any maths, physics or English teacher. Joe stood on the back of his left shoe and pulled his foot out, then did the same with his right. He looked around. Everyone was still watching him. Mr Popov had his arms folded and was tapping his bicep impatiently. Joe bent over and pulled off his left sock. He definitely heard gasps. He pulled off his right sock. This time he could have sworn he heard a girl gag. Joe stuffed the socks in his shoes and handed them to Mr Popov. Mr Popov took the shoes, but he was still staring at Joe's feet. Are you good at swimming? he asked. Joe looked down. He could see his teacher's line of thought. His feet did look like flippers, but not the elegant type you see on birds or dolphins. His feet were more like the flippers you see on aliens in horror movies that emerge from protoplasmic goo to suck a human's brains out. No, said Joe. This was a lie. He was actually very good at swimming, but he didn't want the PE teacher to start encouraging him or taking him under his wing. All right, said Mr Popov with a shrug. You better get down to the greens. The class shuffled off past the change rooms. As Joe turned the corner, he saw two immaculately manicured lawn bowl screens. Unlike everything else at the school that was old and worn down, these greens were clearly lovingly maintained. A bust of Roland Guthrie, former student and lawn bowls champion, stood over the greens as if ready to watch their play. Standing next to the statue was a man who looked like a statue himself. He was very still and grey. He wore brown cord pants, a short-sleeved collared shirt and a tie with a tie pin. On his head he wore a terry Tallin bucket hat. This must be Coach Voss. The other students grew silent as they approached him. He seemed to capture instant and total respect in the manner you would normally associate with an ancient samurai master. 
He combined wisdom and a stillness that hinted at great athletic ability, despite his age. Coach Voss didn't say anything. He just nodded once. The students clearly knew what this meant. They hurried off, breaking into groups of four, and taking out equipment from nearby trunks. Joe watched, bewildered. New? asked Coach Voss. Joe nodded. Mmm, said Coach Voss. Joe waited for him to say more, but it didn't appear likely. Apparently, Coach Voss was a man of few words. Joe looked about wondering if he should just copy what everyone else was doing, or if he should make a run for it. Coach Voss was clearly very old. Joe could definitely outrun this teacher. Played before? asked the coach. Joe shook his head. Coach Voss pointed at a group of girls nearby who'd started playing. Bowl the black ball at the white ball. Joe watched what the girls were doing. He'd been ten-pin bowling before, and this looked like a similar action, only not as aggressive because the ball weighed 15 kilos less. But, said the coach, holding up his finger to get Joe's full attention, the black ball goes in a curve. Joe's brow furrowed. That didn't happen at ten-pin bowling. Try, said Coach Voss, pointing to a group nearby who only had three players. They looked deflated to be lumbered with Joe, but he went over to join them. Joe watched another boy closely, the way he raised his backhand high before swinging his arm in a pendulum motion, releasing the ball millimetres above the grass. Joe picked up his own ball, ready to give it a go. He could feel the lopsided weight that would give it its curve. He looked at the white ball ten metres away, stepped into a lunge, raised his arm back, and released. The black bowl rolled quickly across the perfectly flat grass, arcing away, then back towards the white ball. It slowed more and more until it finally stopped, paused, then fell the last centimetre until it touched the white ball. Joe stood up and looked around. Everyone was watching him in open-mouthed awe. Coach Voss was right behind him. Joe waited for the coach to speak, but he didn't say a word. He just picked up another bowl and handed it to Joe. Again, said the coach. Joe turned back to face the white ball, and he did it again. He lunged, swung, and rolled, and the bowl did the same thing too. It gently arced away, then back, slowing down until it came to a stop, so it was touching both the white ball and the other black ball. When Joe turned around, Coach Voss already had another bowl. He held it out to Joe. Other way, he said, handing Joe the bowl so that the weight was on the opposite side. Joe turned back and bowled. The black ball arced out to the left, then back in, slowing down until it stopped on the other side of the white ball. Now all three of Joe's bowls were in contact with it. There was a babble of excitement from the students behind him. Joe turned to face Coach Voss. The class hushed. They were all waiting to hear what their coach would say. Coach Voss's lips twitched at the corner ever so briefly, almost as if some of his facial muscles had considered smiling, then thought better of it. Instead, he held out his hand. Joe took it. Well bowled, said the coach. Then the rest of the class burst into rapturous applause. Suddenly everyone was slapping Joe on the back, shaking his hand, even hugging him. Joe had no idea what had just happened. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there for now. Until next time, goodbye.